It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Can Sam Howell do in year two what Robert Griffin III did in year one? It's not likely, but it's also not impossible. That and more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome into this Tuesday episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to all of you out there celebrating. And I thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And you can continue this conversation over with me on subtext at jointsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders, where you can go one-on-one with me because I'm your host, David Harrison, dharrison82 on Twitter, credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter, for Commander Country Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering your Washington Commanders here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I want to share my appreciation with all the everydayers who come through every time we drop an episode. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss training camp cuts and new stadium ideas. But before we get into that, we're going to discuss the possibility of Sam Howell having an RG3 rookie season-esque year. And before that, I have to tell you this episode is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And our first question on this Tuesday mailbag episode is coming from Coach Kev, who asks, can Sam Howell produce from a passing standpoint as much as RG3 did in his rookie season? And would those numbers be good enough to get us into the playoffs. So that question is going to lead off the conversation here on today's episode. And let's refresh everybody's memories just a little bit. Robert Griffin III, his first year stats, uh, first year starter stats, first year in the NFL as well. 15 games, 15 games started. He completed 258 of 393 yards, 65.6% completion rate, 3,200 yards passing, which equated to 213.3 yards per game. 20 touchdowns, which is a 5.1% touchdown ratio, and five interceptions, which is a 1.3% interception ratio. Sam Howell, week 18 of last season, if you project his one start, the one game that he played, out to 15 games, the same amount of games that Robert Griffin III uh, started. He's at about a 7% lower completion rate. He's on pace for about 700 yards less on a season. Uh, Five touchdowns fewer, 10 interceptions more, but again, one game, Sample size, very, very small. And when you the more you expand uh, that performance, the more kind of unfair it really gets, right? But 
when you look at that performance, so what are the percentages that that Howell, Howell essentially has to pick up or increase or improve uh, here in this second season to match what RG3 did in that first season? Well, he needs to get in a 36% better completion uh, rates, a 21% pass yard increase, a 25% touchdown increase, and a 66% interception decrease. And some of those numbers might sound really, really big, but when you consider that you're talking about a guy who, again, first quarter, first week as a starting quarterback, first game against an opponent. It's in prime time. It's at night. Uh, it's against the Dallas Cowboys. There's just a lot kind of going on there in that first uh, start for Sam Howell. So when you look at these numbers, you got a whole offseason of him being talked about as QB1. He's done plenty of interviews as QB1. Uh, he's had the whole you know OTA mini camp session so far. He's going to come into training camp. He's been with Coach Bianami now getting that starting quarterback mentorship and guidance uh, and all that stuff. So a lot of this runway that Sam Howell is riding on right now towards his first season as a starter for this team is going to, in theory anyway, right, is going to help improve those percentages and improve those statistics. So while those percentages may seem kind of high, it's certainly possible because of that. But to answer the question of how likely it is that Sam Howell can hit those numbers, Honestly, that's probably linked to an algorithm that's beyond my mathematical understanding. But here's how I went about answering this question. In the Super Bowl era, RG3's rookie season ranks fourth best behind only Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans in 2017, Dak Prescott with uh, that NFC East team in Texas in 2016, and Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers, of course, just this last year. And that is sorted, sorted according to QBR, according to stathead.com, because QBR is ideally a cumulative score of all the critical quarterback stats. And I know QBR isn't perfect, and some people love it, some people hate it, and I understand that. But, you know, it's the really kind of the most most equitable way for me to sort uh, these top rookie seasons, right? So the good news is all of those seasons that we just talked about came in the last seven seasons, meaning that the game, the NFL game, is facil- facilitating better and better early passing performances from young quarterbacks which, of course, plays into Sam Howell's favor while he's trying to pursue uh, these numbers. So if that's the benchmark we're looking to hit, RG3's QBR in his rookie season was 102.4. I will tell you that three of the top five rookie QBRs belong to fourth-round picks or later, and two of them belong to first-round picks, RG3 being one of them. So it's actually very, very possible that a non-first-round pick quarterback in his first season as a starter which is what Sam Howell's going to, could get himself a QBR uh, at 102 or, or 0.4 or so, which is what RG3 have. Now, of those five quarterbacks that did it their rookie seasons, three of them made the playoffs, two of them didn't. Mark Bolger of the 2002 Rams didn't, and Deshaun Watson of the 2017 Texans didn't. Both those teams also had near bottom of the league scoring defenses, which we don't expect Washington to have a 20-plus ranked scoring defense this year outside of a litany of injuries, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. So we can safely assume that if Sam Howell finishes with a QBR of 102.4 or better, which is what RG3 had in his rookie year, then the commanders likely make the playoffs. But Sam Howell's not a rookie. So what about second-year quarterbacks hitting that mark, right? Again, in the Super Bowl era, Stathead lists a total of 67 quarterbacks worth of stats from players in their second NFL season that had 15 starts. I picked 15 starts because RG3 had 15 starts. So if we want that QBR, we need to put it in as much of the same context as we can, at least 15 starts. So if Howell is going to meet RG3, he's got to have at least 15 of the 17 regular season starts. Of those 67 quarterbacks that did start at least 15 games in their second NFL season, six of them hit a QBR of 102.4 or better. 
That's a 9% population. 9% of the 67 quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era who started 15 games or more in their second season had a QBR of 102.4 or better. That's it, 9%. Of those six, all of them were first-round picks. None of them were after the first round. So while we do have some lower-round picks getting comparable QBRs in their rookie years, we have none in year two. Chalk some of that up to certainly some quarterbacks got injured and didn't play enough. Some of them got scouted out. Some of them got known and, and got defeated, right? There's a there's a, a kind of a mixed bag there. Now, nine second-year quarterbacks have hit QBRs of 100 or better. So if we lower the bar to 100, 100 instead of 102.4, we expand that by nine. And of those, one of them was not a first-round pick, and that was Russell Wilson, who was a third-round pick in 2012 by the Seattle Seahawks. And, of course, to me, that's going to be relevant because, again, the rumor on the wind has been that the commanders had a second- or third-round grade on Sam Howell, so if they figure him as a third-round grade, second-round grade quarterback, Russell Wilson is kind of the, the metric that you're using there. Of the nine quarterbacks that had 100 or better QBRs uh, in their second NFL seasons, only one of those missed the postseason. So even more evidence that if Howell hits RG3's QBR number, or even close to it at 100 or better, Washington likely heads to the postseason. But where the odds get lower is that those nine 100 QBR or better second-year quarterbacks, only two of those nine quarterbacks had one or fewer starts entering their second year as in the NFL and their first year as a bona fide starter. They were Kurt Warner of the Los Angeles Rams, St. Louis Rams, sorry, in 1999. That team missed the playoffs. But the other one was Patrick Mahomes in 2018 for the Kansas City Chiefs. And they not only made it to the playoffs, they made it all the way to the AFC Conference Championship game where they lost Tom Brady and New England Patriots, who eventually became Super Bowl champion. So what are the odds that Sam Howell hits RG3's rookie production in his first year as a full-time starter coming into his second season in the NFL? The math says two out of 67 in the Super Bowl era, which is 3%. That's a 3% chance that Sam Howell pulls that off. Now, if he does, the odds, though, do say that, yes, likely the commanders make it to the playoffs. But listen, one of the two quarterbacks that did this, right, one of the 3% of the population that's done this had Eric Bieniemy as his offensive coordinator too. Now, Eric, B- Eric Bieniemy wasn't the play caller that year, but he was there. He had the headset on. He was the offensive coordinator. He's in the room. So there is history there. And for notes, the lowest stat line for a quarterback earning a 100 or better QBR in his second season is 257 completions, 401 attempts, 62.1% completions, 3,127 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 17 interceptions, which is not an unbelievably far pace from what Hal was setting in just one start. And then when you factor in that this year, he's in the number one seat from day one. He's got the OTAs. He's got the mini camp. He's got the the learning, the training as the starting quarterback. He's about to have the training camp. It's certainly possible. Still, it's going to be more about the value of Howell's play, not the volume of it, right? And that's another reason I want to lean QBR here because he doesn't need to have 4,000 yards passing to have a high QBR and be an effective quarterback for the team. So I think it's a great question and hopefully – Uh, The way that I went about answering makes a little bit of sense. Again, uh, without getting into super scientific algorithms, I think that was the best way for me to kind of break it down. So great start to the show. I really appreciate that question. I had a lot of fun digging into some of those numbers. Next, we're going to talk about where Sam Howell might be playing if he's still leading this team in the next eight years. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team 
faster and for free. And it's so easy to post a job that even a podcast host can make it happen. Once you get your job posted, throw the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Continuing on with today's mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or view today and every day. Every day is make sure you come back tomorrow. It is the dead period, but we are still here five days a week, so there will be a Wednesday episode. Of course, if you want to send in a question for a future episode, or maybe you can inspire an entire episode on your own later this week or next week, drop your questions into the YouTube comments, email them to LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com. Or hit me on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Subtexters, they asked me some really good burning questions for the wide receiver tight end group position preview that we did on yesterday's episode. If you missed that, if you're not in Ever Dare, I highly recommend you go check that out. Some really good questions. I had a lot of fun answering. I always have a lot of fun answering your guys' questions. But next week, we've got the offensive line. So, subtexters, start generating those questions that you want to ask for that position group preview because I will be hitting you up. And of course, if you Want to get in on all of the fun over on subtext again? Join subtext.com slash locked on commanders. You get access to me. You get to ask these, these specific questions, these exclusive questions, and all kinds of more subtext exclusives coming up uh, down the pipe as we get into training camp and, of course, the regular season. Got a lot of fun ideas that we're generating here at the network uh, coming up for you guys. Now, next question we had a multiple people ask these, these types of questions, some of them specifically. Why, you know, why, why should the commanders move to Virginia? Why should they move to Maryland? Why should they move to DC or just general? Where should the, the, the new stadium be? Right. So basically, commanders fans want to know where the next stadium is going to be. And so here's the best way that I can answer this. Right. Because I think, honestly, if we're all answering this question, we all have a little bit of bias. Right. If you live in Maryland and you really want to see commanders games, you probably want it in Maryland. If you live in D.C., you probably want it in D.C. If you live in Virginia, you want it in Virginia. If you don't live anywhere near and it's a flight in a hotel, no matter where you go, you probably want it in D.C. RFK is a a really good site because it makes a lot of sense, right? Washington commanders, why wouldn't you be in Washington? I I totally get it, right? But here's here's the crux of it, right? Here's the nuts and bolts of it. The confidential document prepared by Josh Harris and his group while he was still trying to entice more minority owners to join the party, identified the Commonwealth of Virginia as the location that would offer the best incentives package for a new stadium. And according to the document that ESPN got their hands on, it predicted, Josh Harrison's group predicted that Virginia will offer $1.5 billion in funding for the new stadium. And again, 
this new stadium is going to be much more than a new stadium. An idea is going to be there's going to be uh, apparently residential, so apartments or, or townhouses built into it. Nightlife is going to be built into it. Restaurants, shopping, all kinds of stuff. Basically, it's a convention center that also has uh, a football stadium built into it, kind of like what they have in Indianapolis. And then from what I'm told, I've never been to SoFi, so I can't confirm it, right? But I'm told SoFi is is very similar. Mercedes-Benz zone in Atlanta is very similar. So that's kind of the trend that a lot of these new stadiums are going into. Now, Harris's document also said that the goal of the new stadium would be to have it ready by 2031 with a chance to move into it earlier, which means that the new stadium likely won't be ready by the end of 2027. Because even if you get in earlier, I mean, 2029 is probably the earliest you might be able to get into it when your target date is 2031. So 2027, the lease on FedEx Field ends. So that's going to be an interesting discussion we have here in about four years. Back in June, it was reported by Eric Flack of WSA 9, our sister station under Tegna, that a DC code aimed at preventing the commanders from returning to the district was extended. Now, that clause says that public funds can't be used to, quote, purchase all or a portion of the property comprising the Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Stadium, end quote, and or, quote, induce a National Football League team to locate in the district, end quote. Essentially, if I understand this correctly, it means that if Washington were to return to D.C., it would have to do so with no public funding. That's probably not going to happen. Now, one idea for a stadium in Virginia focused in on one of two Prince William County locations right around where one of the worst traffic patterns and congestion currently resides. That's a pretty bad idea. And honestly, if Virginia is going to come through with $1.5 billion, I don't imagine Maryland is looking to match or exceed that amount. So the Commonwealth of Virginia, I think, has to be the front runner for a new stadium right now. So really, the idea is now, where is that stadium? So again, the two Prince William County locations, a lot of traffic patterns are bad right now. A lot of traffic congestion is bad right now in those two areas. So Dan Snyder, repair, uh, apparently, apparently, reportedly, uh, brought up an idea to build an underground Tesla tunnel uh, that would run from Reagan National uh, Airport to Prince William County in order to ease the burden of additional traffic on game days. Now, there is already a quote-unquote Tesla tunnel in Vegas that's only two miles long. So having one super long has not been run yet, has not been tested uh, or put into operational use. Of course, there are also leaders in Woodbridge and Dumfries, the two areas in Prince William County that have been re- that have been brought up, who don't want the stadium in their area anyway. And apparently many of the residents there don't either. I don't live there. If you live there, let me know if that's uh, inaccurate or not. But that's what the reports uh, are saying. One official in Woodbridge said it felt like the commanders moving there was a dead deal, was not going to happen uh, to Woodbridge. And again, uh, the whole Prince William County thing is kind of feels like it's it's kind of stuck in the mud, right? So that leaves Loudoun County. And in April of this year, when news of the sale really started picking up and picking up steam, uh, County Chair Phyllis Randall became a supporter or at least supporter of the idea of building the new stadium complex in Sterling, Virginia, of course, in Loudoun County. The ideal, uh, the ideal location, according to Randall, would be the location of the old Loudoun Quarries property in Sterling, Virginia. But of course, there's pushback from others in Loudoun County as well. You're never going to have a situation, I think, where everybody's just happy. But, of course, the concerns are traffic and the potential risk for increased crime. Now, a study published in the Washington Post in 2014 found that on game days, many city, many NFL cities' crime went up nearly 3% with a 4% increase in larceny and a nearly 7% increase in car theft. So that's a lot of info. But where do I think the best place for a new stadium is going to be based on all the information? Again, I already think it's going to be Virginia. And I got to say, I think it's going to be Sterling because it makes the most sense. It's close enough to the old location. That's not going to leave the entire current FedEx uh, regular population out in the cold. 
Some of you, yes, are going to be further than you would like to be. That's just the nature of any move. As for crime rates, Loudoun County's crime rate is also real is already really, really low. So even if you see that 3%, 4%, 7% increase in some of these specifics, you're talking one or two people per thousand in an increase in crime rates. And I don't mean to belittle anybody uh, who's the, who's the victim of a property crime. Of course, it's it's serious. But when you're talking numbers and statistics going from, say, three per thousand to four per thousand is not enough of a jump, I don't think, uh, in anticipation to completely kill a deal. As far as traffic is a concern, of course, that is a concern. But a plan well enough ahead, roads can be expanded. Public transportation could possibly be instituted uh, as well. A lot of different ways they could do that, which kind of brings us to the next question from Keith who asked, what are some ideas to improve attendance until there's a new stadium? Keith said his pet peeve is trying to take a metro station to the stadium. He used to catch a bus from Orange Line Station to the stadium parking lot and back when he left. But now they would say it's only a mile walk, but he's got to make that walk. And and the example that Keith gives, sorry, is walking back only, quote unquote, a mile when you got a night loss to the Chicago Bears in the snow, which is what Keith had to do. It's terrible, and he says that doing with kids is life-changing, which I can completely believe. Uh, just his opinion. He wants to fill FedEx, but how do we want? Uh, how do we go about doing that? Well, of course, I think we'd all be happy if there's some sort of public transportation into the new stadium or right up to the front door of the new stadium. I always kind of go back to my roots in Denver, Colorado, where I'm from, and there's literally a train that I can park and take that's about 20, 25 minutes outside the Denver city limits. Park my car in a covered and and secured parking uh, structure. Take the train in, and it drops me off right outside the Denver Nuggets Arena. I mean, it, you couldn't get any more convenient uh, than that. So we would all love that, of course. I think if that could be instituted, and I think it would be something that's very helpful to the fan experience at FedEx as well, giving the fans a convenient way to get to the venue in the first place. But there's also some good upgrades that are already coming for fans. There's a main a main end zone display that's getting upgraded and installed. Two of those are getting put in. A game in play display is getting updated. Ribbon displays are being updated. Uh, they have they, the commanders contracted a one year unlimited graphics package uh, and they're upgrading the audio system. So there's already some upgrades happening. And I have to be honest, I'm not sure how much more can be done with FedEx because upgrading presentation features are going to help. But I think without wholesale renovations like better seats, concourse improvements, stuff like that, there isn't much else they can do. And I don't see those happening with the new lease or uh, with the lease coming up unless a new lease is agreed to. And because the new owners clearly want a new stadium, I don't think a new lease is going to be agreed to. I think you're going to get an extension of the current lease and that's not going to inspire a whole lot of wholesale changes. Lastly, I think you can improve concessions maybe by attracting more and better vendors after the sale because of obviously the distaste that people have for Dan and Tanya Snyder. And that's something that again could come with the new ownership group. So hopefully those visual uh, upgrades, the audio upgrades, and maybe some concession upgrades. I would like for them to put in another team store. They have some kiosks, but like a big team store on each end of, of the stadium. I walk around the stadium and I see you guys standing in, in like a two-hour-long line to buy a jersey. Like I wish they had two of those bad boys uh, so, to kind of thin out the crowd a little bit. Plus, if you're all the way on one end zone and you got to walk through the concourse to the other end and then try to make it back to your seats uh, in time, they only open the stadium an hour before kickoff. So, you know, uh, or maybe it's two hours. I can't remember. An hour or two hours. Um, but you know, either open it earlier or add another team store so that fans can kind of spread out, you know, thin the traffic. Right. Uh, so great question there. Hopefully that kind of answers it. Uh, again, my game day experience is a little bit different from the fans. So, uh, trying to answer that as best I can. If you have other ideas that you think are feasible that the commanders could do to increase the fan, uh, experience, by all means, drop them in the YouTube comments. I would love to hear your thoughts, uh, on that question. 
Next up, we're going to fast forward a bit to the end of training camp and talk about a new rule that governs the cuts of commanders that the commanders will have to make. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, wrapping up today's episode with a question that uh, I was actually going to wait until we got closer to training camp to really address, but I'm getting multiple questions per week. Uh, on this topic, either asking directly about cuts or how the cuts are going to be made or when the cuts have to be made. So I'm going to go ahead and and talk about that here on today's episode. We are about three weeks away from the actual start of training camp. But when do the Washington Commanders have to trim their roster from the 90 that they're allowed to carry right now to the 53 that they will carry into the regular season? Well, over time, that answer has actually fluctuated a bit over the years. And I think that was a COVID season, if I'm not mistaken, where the teams were giving given the latest cut date that I can remember and only had to make one set of cuts, I think, in that season. Now, outside of COVID, we've also got the expanded practice squads, which have stuck around, which I think is really great, and the call-up abilities on game days that have also remained uh, as well. So hopefully those continue to be a thing. Now, this year, you can also have an emergency quarterback that doesn't count for your active roster on game day, but can be activated in case you need them. Now, this year, teams will have to reduce their rosters to a maximum of 53 players on the active and inactive list on August 29th by 4 p.m. Eastern time. That is the Tuesday following the final preseason game. So the Washington Commanders will, fi- will play their third and last preseason game. That following Tuesday by 4 p.m. Eastern time, they have to make their cuts and they have to trim their roster down to 53 players. Now on August 30th, so the very next day, that next Wednesday, the teams will have until noon Eastern time to put in any claims on waived players from previous teams to establish a 16 player practice squad. And they have to establish a 16 player practice squad. If you claim a waived player, they have to go on your active roster. So you'd have to then waive somebody. Any player that makes it through waivers can then be placed on the 16 player practice squad. Then beginning September 4th, all teams are required to start releasing practice and injury reports because we're getting ready to kick off the season. So we only have one cut down day this preseason, which is very, very big pass rules. Uh, In the beginning, teams had three cut down days, which was a little bit insane. Then more recently, it shrunk down to two. Again, if I'm not mistaken, I think they only had to make one set of cuts in the COVID year, but that year was really weird, so don't quote me on that. But now we've got one, and hopefully that's what sticks around. Uh, It provides the team full flexibility in regards to playing or not playing veterans, right? Because a lot of times, you have some guys that maybe you wouldn't want to play, but you kind of have to because you got to feel a full team. You got to be competitive on the field. You can't just not have, you can't go out there with 10 guys and say, well, we don't want to play this guy. So we're only going to have 10 defenders or 10 offensive players. You can't do that. So it gives the team more flexibility. Look, there may be a guy that you know you don't want and you know you don't want him on your practice squad, but give him the chance to put some good stuff on tape. Maybe somebody else puts him on your practice squad. You go out there and you play. And meanwhile, the guy that you really want on your practice squad kind of sit him on the bench a little bit. You guys, I'm like, hey, dude, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. We're going to wave you, but we don't want you to do anything too explosive out here on the field. So we're going to tuck you away. So it's kind of, it's very interesting in the chess match. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Terry McLaurin, you know, the, the Terry McLaurin's of the world, Tim Howells, Jahan Dotson's, Jonathan Allen's, you know, you're going to want to minimize their snaps and having more players 
all the way to the end of your final preseason game gives you the ability uh, to take them off the field. Plus, it provides maximum available time to develop your young players or your unknown players, see what you have in them, uh, see when you can get out of them. So I love the rule change. Hopefully you guys like the rule change. Uh, I don't really see any negatives, honestly, to the rule change. I guess the only negative could be that a guy that would get waived in like the first cut, maybe get on with another team and make his mark there and make the roster. But honestly, if you're going to make the active roster after being cut and picked up by another team, you're probably going to make the active roster on that first team. Uh, anyway, and or you're not going to be the first guy cut in the first wave. Uh, anyway, so another great mailbag, a lot of great questions. I really appreciate you guys doing. We got a little bit of, of play analysis. We got a little bit of future planning, and we got some rules uh, discussions. I mean, a little bit of everything in this mailbag. So I really appreciate all of you uh, coming through. We still have some questions stored for future episodes. But, of course, if you've got a question you want to add to the cache for future episodes, drop them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on Twitter. Email them to LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com. Or hit me up directly just by texting me via subtext. Uh, as always, I want to thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day, every day, every day. Or thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. If you're out there celebrating the 4th of July, please be safe while you do it. And remember, you can continue the conversation with me over at jointsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. And if you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or discuss, Make sure you're also following me on Twitter at dharrison82 if Twitter is working. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.